welcome to the We're All Fucked podcast hosted by me, Derry Owen. And me, Dan's Grace. This is a podcast designed to try and take a light-hearted take on the ridiculousness of society as we know it and wonder how we all find a way to carry on, even though we know deep down we're all fucked. Each episode, we'll be looking at a particular topic, having a laugh and a cry along the way, dragging along a few guests with us for the ride. Remember to rate us and subscribe so you never miss our rounds. Hello, Dewey. How are you keeping? Evening. Good evening, Daniel. I'm all right. I'm a bit tired. Yeah. Um, so, yes. I got. I tend to go down an octave when I'm tired. Oh, okay, so okay. Stop my husky sexy way. Yeah. Time. But I'll get through it. I'll be okay. I'll be okay. It was one of them. I uh, I tend to like have to do that now. I literally go to bed like one day a week at like quarter past eight. Oh bless you! But it's 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 so powerful. You know, yeah. just do it once. You do feel like oh, I'm doing something wrong here. Yeah, Weirdly, yeah. when you're doing it, and it is it is ridiculously early. <laughs> but it'll just save you if you just do it just like one. It's like I, a treat. I'll, I'll I'll be honest with you. I I think I. I mean, I, I don't think I regularly go to bed at quarter past eight, but quarter past eight definitely isn't unheard of for me. I'm, mm. I'm quite a big fan of, particularly, I mean, it sounds really depressing, but on days where you feel like you've had quite a rough day, giving up on the day early is so yeah, tempting. Yeah. <laughs> it's closing the curtains, isn't it? Basically, yeah, fucking off yeah. backstage. Yeah, exactly. I think once you hit nine, I think it's good, but I think if you have a, Obviously, partner, like as I mean, I do raise eyebrows when I go, up, <laughs> go to bed at like what past eight. I think anything before nine is just like mm, unless you're on a, like a night shift worker or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I don't I mean, know. Jodie, Jodie's quite a quite a big fan of the early night. You know, mm. we. I mean, because she comes back from work quite often, just so shattered, like, and she gets back late. So when she does have days off, or she's back in early to work the next day. She's a big fan of kind of getting in early and just being able to like really relax and sort of recharge a bit, you know. I still like yeah. Period. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. I'll do it, man. Yeah. Uh, well, I got a topic. Week. Yeah, I got a topic. Got a topic. Mindfulness. Oh yeah, I knew you'd bring this up. <laughs> you're just, you're some sort of like a professor, a professor of mindfulness. Now I don't know enough about this. Shit. Certified, certified. <laughs> Got the pieces of paper and everything. No, I kind of, I thought, I thought about it, and I thought, well, I mean, I've got loads of topics rat- rattling around, but I thought this one was a good one because, I mean, I, I don't pretend to be any kind of expert, but certainly there's a kind of knowledge disparity between us. And therefore, we can probably talk in a bit more of a kind of interesting way about it. You know, if if we were to sort of bring up the fall of capitalism as a topic, you know, five minutes and we're basically going to be massaging each other's egos. So it's like, you know, (laughs) pick something where there's a bit more sort of, you know, point of tension or point of education. But a lot of what I'm going to say is obviously going to be complete bollocks, basically. And also incredibly vague. Well, the thing is, like, I'll be honest with you. I was like sat on the Wikipedia page about an hour ago and I was like reading through and I was thinking some of this stuff I know, but some of this stuff is just fucking really in-depth and boring. Um, So there's, you know, if anyone actually knows about mindfulness who's listening into this, this is going to be very, very sketchy surface stuff. And then we'll explore and go deeper in different areas where, you know, it might be more applicable or more sort of stimulating. Yeah. Um, 
as as a starting point, you must you must know some stuff about mindfulness meditation, that kind of shit. Oh yeah, very very, very minimal. Um, I'm aware of his existence. I'm aware that it's becoming <laughs> more popular, and I know it's obviously to do with just like living in the here and now and refocusing that basically. It is yeah. in its own way a fight back against capitalism, isn't it, in a way? Because, again, I always pick up on this where we're made to think about tomorrow, aren't we, constantly? Yeah. yeah. The same thing, like, it's got that's gotten worse. For me, probably, since being self-employed, because you always have to think about next week, next month, you know, mm. is the work Free coming planning. in. Yeah. So, like, everything, anything I kind of, the work I secure today for next month, I almost feel like I don't get that moment unless I force myself. So, yeah. I, I, you know, to, to actually sit in the van and say, oh, it's fine, you know, the, it's busy and work's coming in and, uh, you know, we're turning a profit or whatever. Yeah. But I have to force myself to do that. It's probably like super diet <laughs> mindfulness <laughs> where I just I have to sit in the van and say, no, David, you've got to say things going, you know, to try and remember yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. Because otherwise, yeah, you, say, you, you can get, you, you just get lost in the journey, really. So I, yeah. I can totally imagine how kind of powerful it is really yeah, um yeah i think i think that selfishly that's kind of part of the reason why i wanted to bring it up because i'm not i'm not going to kind of eulogize and i'm not sort of you know religious about you know the topic of mindfulness or meditation but i broadly feel that it could positively affect pretty much everyone i know and mm-hmm. certainly the people that i know better and i care about I kind of want them to have it in their lives because mm-hmm. it's like such a useful thing to do and such a useful thing to be aware of. Um, but having like, you know, I, I first came across it, I think when I was about 16, 17 and I'm now 33 and I've only started like regularly meditating in the last maybe three or four months. So, you know, I mean, if it's taken me over half of my life, from the first point of contact to actually adopting it, I'm not going to blame anyone else for sort of being aware of it and then yeah. doing bugger all about it. I think we might have t- did we touch upon this in the mental health one. I'm not sure. Um, or, or I'd be surprised off, if I'd be surprised if we didn't. Yeah, yeah or off the uh, off off the recording. Well, I I think I said that it's like one of those things. It's almost like an alcoholic. Maybe maybe speaking out of turn again, but you almost have to be ready, you yeah, know, yeah, to yeah, be able yeah, to yeah. like. Uh, and, and I feel that that's the same thing. No, definitely, um, definitely. Maybe and that's think, a shit excuse though for not doing it. Not alcoholism. I'm talking just talking about this now. <laughs> I just feel like it, maybe that's a shit excuse that I'm just saying. I don't, I don't. I don't think it's a shit excuse because, like, I mean, okay, going slightly off topic here briefly, but exercise, for example, like I've had a kind of on again, off again relationship with it, and I've had long periods of off again, and then when it's actually come to the return to the gym or the return to running or whatever, what actually, you know, predated? I I can't speak today. Um, What? (laughs) Yep, nope, that word isn't coming. What's happened beforehand is a whole range of different things, and it's very difficult to know and understand what's going on behind the, the eyes, even for someone that's in the body. So to actually have that point of change, I don't think it's as simple as, Oh yeah, I'll just do it because mm-hmm. you know obviously there's a whole load of factors and feelings and you know the time has to be right. I think. Yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent. I've always felt that about it. Yeah. Thank you for <laughs> persuading me that it's not a shit excuse for me that I, <laughs> I don't do anything about it. But yeah. it's clearly had a big impact on you, then. Yeah, no, massively, massively. I think it's kind of 
for me, before I came to uni, I was so worried that I would just completely fuck it up. And I still, you know, I've still got plenty of time to completely fuck it up. I haven't haven't got the piece of paper yet. I could still do something horrific or just have a mental breakdown. All of that's still very much on the cards. But like the current, you know, since since the summer and like going into this second year, I feel like my kind of hectic schedule has been enabled or, or like my resilience to the hectic schedule has been enabled by having this kind of little oasis of calm every single morning where I can just be with myself and doesn't matter what else is going on. Um, doesn't matter how relationship stuff is going. Doesn't matter how university is going. Doesn't matter how volunteering is going. Doesn't matter how money's going or the climate crisis or politics, whatever else. Mm-hmm. That moment is for me and only for me. And that's, that's really fucking powerful. <laughs> yeah, it gives you a sense of control as well, I suppose, doesn't it? When or most of that other lot of the other things you listed essentially aren't. Well, so pre- well, pretty, pretty much literally everything else isn't. There's, I, you know, I kind of express control over stuff where I can, but realistically, most of life you're just on a bloody roller coaster, aren't you? Yeah, sort of hurtling yeah, along, going. Oh. <laughs> what, what's your um, kind of uh, um, what's the word? Um, uh, routine around it then in the morning or however you go about it but, um, half five every morning go for a shower um, and then once I'm out of the shower and dressed and all the rest of it about six o'clock five past six five to six I've got um, gone on YouTube and I found a channel it's actually I mean, I, they might do adult stuff but pretty much all of their videos are dedicated for kids and there's this like English woman who'll do this lovely meditation for children so this morning for example i was walking through my own little island through a forest where there was a parrot and i went for a i flew up into the air with this parrot and i grew my own wings and now that i'm speaking out loud to another adult i'm realizing how fucking mental i sound <laughs> I, I briefly explained this to Jodie in the morning but didn't go into detail and she was just like oh that sounds really nice and now I'm actually explaining in detail I'm thinking I'm fucking crackers <laughs> I think there's a lot of things in life though isn't there where is, is, is it just like well I mean like um, where, where you're like pissing yourself laughing on something that the other person thinking what you're laughing about <laughs> yeah, 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 explaining yeah, yeah. it's like oh no about a third of the way through when you mentioned the parrot there, you know, this yeah, is, yeah, this is yeah, troublesome. Yeah. His, his name was Alfie. <laughs> <laughs> Alfie the parrot. <laughs> but it's, I mean, it, it's, that, that was, sort of was uh, I was quite excited about that one because it's particularly creative, but generally they're lovely. And like the one, one of the lovely things about meditation, particularly for someone like me who has a lot of inherently quite negative thoughts about myself. I've I've trained myself to not have them as much and I've trained myself to like counteract them and lessen them and sort of diminish the, the pessimism and the self-hatred, but it still kind of exists and rumbles around. Mm. So when you've got mindfulness, particularly gui- guided mindfulness, because that's the majority of what I do at the moment, you've got a voice telling you that you're loved and you're worthwhile and all this. I mean, obviously it depends on what, you know, particular track or whatever you're listening to. But this particular channel that I've struck on on YouTube is just like so compassionate and caring and kind. And it's just like 
this is this is warm and safe space. Yeah, there's, yeah. There's no suffering here, and so it's the idea that you start off with the guided stuff, and then you'll be able to just like eventually learn just to like switch on. I've heard that that like once you kind of master it, it doesn't literally matter where you are; you could potentially like switch it on. Well, I mean, when I started, right technique type of thing. I got. Um, I think I bought this book for myself when I was a student because it was one of our recommended books. Did We got to pick a few modules. When I was finishing my degree, we got to pick a few modules um, based on like our particular degree specialism. So because I was doing clinical and health, one of the optional modules I could do was mindfulness. And I bought this book called Mindfulness, A Practical Guide to Finding Peace in a Frantic World um, by Mark Williams and Danny Penman. That's the blue greeny cover um and it was yeah i mean like many of the books that i bought at the time they were incredibly expensive and i barely read them um but many many years later um in the summer i was like because i'd got into the habit of reading and i was sort of like thinking oh it'd be quite good to have a sort of self-helpy type book that was kind of you know improving yourself etc i picked it up and thought well you know if I read a bit of this every week and I kind of get into it, it's nice and guided and structured and it mm. sort of starts you off quite gently. You're not sort of, you know, you're not going straight heavily into it. And it's very forgiving. Like if you, the idea of the program in that book is that you do think you end up doing basically meditation twice at least, or maybe even three or four times a day in little chunks and every week it moves to a different type of meditation. So you'll have like a breathing meditation um, where you focus on your breathing. Obviously, you have like a body scan meditation where you'll focus on the physical sensations in different areas of your body. Um, you'll have like a, a sound uh, meditation where you're focusing on what you can hear. You'll have like a, I don't know what you'd even call it, but like compassion towards yourself and compassion and love towards others, that kind of meditation. And it will circle around you know on a different one each week and alongside it and there's a cd with it but i don't have a cd player so i found on soundcloud the same tracks have been uploaded so i just basically worked my way through that and then once i finished it i was like kind of bored of those now so i just started finding shit on youtube because it was just easy in answer to long roundabout way of answering your question you can switch it on like i'm not a fucking i haven't mastered it but i can switch it on like when i was sat down earlier like researching it, i was sat mindfully breathing and sort of sitting there with myself and i was thinking like you know you delaying and then like all of our fucking shit with like the team's issues before being mindful in those moments really helps because years ago i would have started to freak out and my anxiety would have been through the roof and i'd be like ah ah but like because you're just there in the moment, you become a lot more accepting of whatever is going on. It doesn't really matter what's going on. To I mean, obviously, to a limit, genuine real shit is still going to upset you or anger you. But if things are smaller, your ability to bounce is just mm-hmm. greatly increased. Yeah, so, makes sense. Yeah, makes um, sense. It's quite powerful for uh, anxiety then as well, massively, if that's the case. Yeah. Yeah, fuck. I mean, What's the name of that book. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll. Well, I'm coming. I don't know when. I, I'm not coming up till January, but I'll, uh, I'll bring it with me. Um, 
but yeah, no, I mean, I, I kind of, I looked a little bit into the, the history of it, and I'm not going to give you the kind of potted version. Well, I'm going to give you the potted version because, like, it's fucking loads about Buddhism, and I'm not, yeah, I'm not big on religion. That. Yeah, that's that's basically its origin is like Buddhism, and then other movements or philosophies or religions also sort of tapped into it. So there's a little bit of Christianity have been a little bit influenced, or they found a particular bit of the Bible where it's kind of alluded to. There's Greek philosophers, but yeah, basically it's Buddhist. And I mean, they're generally pretty chilled guys, apart from, you know, that, that, that's what they're always kind of like referred to, aren't they? Like, like a light touch. Like, I've always thought it's like a light touch religion. Yeah. Like, they got yeah. a lot of common yeah. sense there. Yeah. But the minute you actually start reading about, like, what the they believe in and stuff, yeah, yeah it's yeah, like, yeah. no, actually, yeah, it is yeah. another batshit uh, religion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's no still as wacky, wacky and mental as, as any other. <laughs> yeah, but just because there's an image of just, like, sitting peacefully, it's just like, yeah. ah, this, one, this one's better. <laughs> and and also, I mean, I, I don't know of any religion that isn't sort of, or any of the main religions that hasn't committed horrific crimes against other human beings. Yeah, and I mean, it's some t- you know, I'm no historian, so I'm not going to list a load of like horrific acts done by Buddhists. But there's certainly stuff going on these days, even though their public perception is very much that they're kind of you know meditating and chilled and love. That's it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. perception. But, I mean, one then whistle stop to her. I think I think so. Back, you know, so many thousands of years of Buddhist. Uh, mindfulness and it was kind of considered part of the path to enlightenment and and you know becoming buddha um the reason why it sort of becomes so popular in the west is i'm not going to put it all down to one guy but there's a guy called john cabot zinn um which is still going he's a professor i think in university of massachusetts in america and in 79 he launched a program of mindfulness for people with I think it was chronic pain in like a hospital in Massachusetts. Um, And so, I mean, it developed from that and that was obviously, you know, quite popular, quite successful and kind of developed and developed. And now it's become a lot bigger. So it's been applied to as, you know, if if you think of a kind of particular population, quote unquote, of people, there's probably some kind of research or some kind of application of mindfulness. Um, so they've, they've done stuff with um, veterans of war with PTSD. Okay. They've even done stuff of like pre-combat stuff. So giving soldiers uh, mindfulness training before they go into combat in order so that they can process those experiences in a more positive way. Um, Has there been research been done to prove that that, that actually works? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not going to sort of drag out a paper. I've not been... That that would have been fucking dedication if I'd actually gone to fucking be <laughs> yeah. a scholar and pulled to Harvis and Sanchez <laughs> 2008 discovered that. I That's a very think... different podcast <laughs> where we actually cite our sources. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we we should at some point when we you know if we pick a topic where either of us actually knows what we're talking about. <laughs> um, That'll be the day, mate. That will be the day. Um, but yeah, I mean, like that—that that was a particular. I mean, I remember, like, re- well, I say researching. I didn't actually conduct any research, but you know, I remember kind of looking through scholarly articles and um, like picking out research and putting that into an essay. 
Um, and then like people with depression, people with borderline personality disorder, they found it's helpful for physical health as well. So, you know, help, help with dementia, helped with kind of diet, dieting and like people trying to kind of, cause obviously you can kind of mindfully eat. And if you're mindfully eating, you're less likely to overeat is basically the, yeah. the basic premise of it. Um, when I was 16, I was seeing a clinical psychologist um, and she wanted to refer me to what was called a dialectical behavioral therapy group, DBT. And the idea of DBT is basically it's like a toolbox for shit's gone wrong in your life. Here's some skills in which to sort of unpack it and try and kind of okay. get better resilience for it. Mm. Um, and I was sort of pressing her for like, you know, what would you diagnose me as? Because obviously I was, I was looking for answers and she was like, well, you're 16. We don't really want to diagnose you. It's not necessarily going to be helpful to you. But if you really, really press me, you'd have something akin to borderline personality disorder. Um, and I was like, all right, OK, I get that. That's, you know, but I, I was never diagnosed with that. It was just like a collection of shit that was going on at the time. Mm-hmm. And I went into this DBT group and it was great because it basically sat around with about half a dozen other teenagers and every week we'd get taught a new skill and we'd get raffle tickets for ex- coming up in the group of examples of when we'd used the skills from the previous week. And then at the end, we'd like put in our raffle tickets and, you know, we might win a prize. So it was very, it was exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was how I was kind of first introduced to mindfulness. And obviously in that kind of setting, you sort of, it's more as a lifeline than anything else. You're kind of in such yeah, a shit yeah. place that you're like, ooh, this is, you know, this, try this. And I think that the the ironic thing is when you are sometimes, depending on what condition or whatever, uh, you are in a shit place, it's act- that, that is actually the time where you kind of, well, I feel personally in a way, anyway, where you're least likely to want to explore something new. I, I suppose you can probably get to a stage where you know I might as well or something. It's just if that like you got it's like a life raft type thing. But sometimes if you're just like down or something, like oh, like learning a new st- thing is like oh, yeah, such hard definitely. work. Definitely, but, definitely. Yeah, but, but but of course worth it, you know. But I, I think I think that's why kind of something like a a group is so beneficial because. Mm you're not reliant on yourself you're reliant on everyone else and everyone else is also not reliant on themselves they're reliant on you so if you all keep on sort of tricking yourselves into like rocking up and do, going through the motions ultimately you are stronger together rather than as larger than the sum of its parts or whatever yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah your um, responsibility dilutes in a way but also you do still feel the obligation yeah yeah. Other people are like, I know, I know what you mean. Yeah. And I think that, like, that thing about, you know, you've got to have your own sort of personal rock bottom in which, where, you know, and everyone's different. You know, some people are sort of far more, like, inclined to reach out and sort of be the kind of person that always wants to improve themselves or, or wants to kind of introspect or develop or whatever. And some people are very much averse to that. I think, like, my dad's a probably a pretty classic example of someone who historically, maybe it, things have changed in the last few years, but historically has certainly not been one to sort of want to unpack any of the bullshit going on inside. 
and and very much kind of wanting to like push it down and just be like no it's fine everything's fine um and i think to a certain extent i'm kind of my natural sort of inclination is to be quite like that i'm not not a big fan of change there there is an argument though i've heard like a few people say that if you do start unpacking it can be a bit dangerous in the respect of like uh you might go on a journey of like actually maybe realizing that stuff that has happened to you has got you to where you are today but that might not necessarily be useful just Mm. because like it like totally changes your your viewpoint on your childhood or your teenagers or whatever when actually it could make things worse Oh, massively. <laughs> so, there is, there is not necessarily the worst thing, is it? It's trying to, it's probably a protective, like, evolutionary thing, like, no, I won't do that, just in case yeah. it hurts me, type thing. I think, I think there's kind of, it's one of those things where I think that's one of the biggest strengths of mindfulness, because it's not therapy, and it inherently doesn't ask you to look deeply inside yourself, or, and it doesn't give you or apply a particular model or a way of thinking about what's going on inside your head. It's just a way of being. And its powerfulness is, its power is in its simplicity. And going back to earlier what you're saying about kind of it being quite an anti-capitalist movement or moment is that for me, okay, yeah, obviously I use my smartphone and I go on YouTube and I like, you know, listen to these videos. But if I didn't have any of that, I could still do it. And it physically wouldn't matter where I was. It's still something I could do. So no matter how life goes, I can still always do that. The only situation where you could probably, you would find it more difficult to do that is if you were being tortured, I'd imagine. <laughs> yeah, but aside yeah. from that, you know, if, if you were homeless. It shows that society or capitalism has, has made mindfulness so hard, haven't they, because of you know all our devices or, or whatever every screen or well even every bloody magazine um all the distractions is this is designed to keep you distracted you know the endless scrolling that is in the bottom is just to, to fill that in yeah because you know there's a chance to sell you something isn't it they will show you what you could have so it's quite sad, and in a, in a way, I say I'm, I'm I still haven't finished reading that book that I'm reading at the moment. I have, <laughs> you, to, how, I have to read it how, carefully. I mean, you're about a third of the way through. When well, I'm a two thirds by now. Okay. Um, but it is quite it's quite terrifying in a way. Um, so I have to kind of drip feed myself it and like come back okay. to it yeah. because it's yeah. exposing kind of how ingrained. <laughs> uh, how monetized even mental health is, you know, from yeah. like uh, uh, the pharmaceutical industry uh, to, to trying to put people in boxes, give them those diagnoses because we're guilty. Like you just admitted you want a diagnosis. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And, and so they give you one so that they can medicate you and, you know, try and make you better or to put you in a box so that you don't count towards a figure that you can work. You know, you're ill. Oh, it's, 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 it's like, oh, so you're reading the book and it's like, yes, this is all I've been thinking and it's in front of me and I'm, and the author's done a good job about like, um, setting out in a really nice methodical way Um, but I I just having to kind of like be careful that I don't like you know suck it it all in it sounds like you kind of got a very healthy approach to it I think it's quite easy when you're 
I mean, for me at least, if you're reading something that you're finding quite depressing, you can kind of go on a bit of a slippery slope of like consuming more and more of it. You know, almost yeah. like it's kind of junk food. Well, I have to be aware how I misery. absolutely, yeah. So I have to be aware how I how I digest it. I've got two main pathways. My main pathway one is ah, I've not been stupid. There are elements of this one large if not all elements of the system that are designed to make me feel inadequate depressed and all that so you know i'm not crazy i uh, it is true and i just have to try and find a way to live with that or i look at it the other way thinking yeah we are totally fucked yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah, there is yeah. no hope you know i might <laughs> just come to it you know that that because yeah, yeah. ev- everything is built to make us feel that way so yeah, what's the point yeah, trying yeah. anything so I've got to make sure I go for option one, basically. <laughs> and I feel like if I would read it all in one sitting, it increases my chances of going for option two. So right, I'm like, okay, okay. I'm yeah, having yeah. to rebuild my uh, choose, choose my the buffer. blue pill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I've never watched The Matrix. Don't shout oh, at me. I've hell. never watched The Matrix. Oh, or I, I say yes, but I don't really know what that means, so I, I, I do need to watch it. I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I was kind of hoping that you might know, because I, although I've watched it, there is like a difference between the blue pill and the red pill, and I'm not sure whether I got it right. So, all right, if you're a I'll try and fan, watch please it don't shout at me in the next week, and then I'll get back to you. Yeah. Oh, it's it's well worth it. It's a classic. Um, yeah, classic probably making reason. making any old person feel really old now. They're calling the Matrix a classic. <laughs> yeah, it is true though, isn't it? Bloody hell. But anyway, yeah. But it, it it just up the book I'm reading, and um, yeah, it just yeah, it proves that my mindfulness is is fighting back against it and it's fucking hard but isn't that isn't that isn't that actually terrible though that that there is the answer but like everything around us is built for us not to do that but this but this is like for me one of the most fantastic things about it because i mean i'm i'm not sort of rich enough to sort of get heavily consumerist like i don't spend that excessively but if i did if i did have that level of money and that was sort of a tempting tempting way to live my lifestyle i think mindfulness would pull me away from that because you you're very much not thinking about how your situation could be better or what you need to make your situation better you're literally concentrating on the here and now even if you're experiencing physical discomfort or pain like you know, I've I've had times where I've been like sat there and my back has hurt. But in the mindfulness, it encourages you to not try and run away from that sensation. Don't ignore it. Breathe into it and concentrate on it more and come to it. And through that, you're then going to. Your, your pain lessens because you're not concentrating on how much it's going to hurt in 30 seconds or how much it's going to hurt in five minutes. You're just concentrating on how much it's hurting right now. And so it's a finite amount of pain. It's not all of the pain that you could ever experience. You're not fantasizing or what ifing about how your experience is going to be shit in a few minutes. Mm. It's however shit it is right now and that's it. And then almost by doing that, I mean, obviously, you know, there is a limit to this. But by doing that, by turning towards your suffering, you have a richer experience. And ultimately, it's almost like dissolving. You're suffering in the same way that a good massage can knead out that muscular tension. By turning into your suffering, it diminishes it and makes it smaller and smaller. 
until the point that it's not there. And, you know, there's a limit to this. I'm sure if I had terminal cancer, I'm still going to cry and still going to think, oh, God, you know, what the fuck is going on? But in that moment, in all the suffering that I've had over the last four months, any bits of intense depression or stress or whatever, when you're mindful, you're just there with it and it's somehow a little bit better. Yeah. Um, I think the longer I practice, like the more regularly I practice, the more powerful it becomes and the more sort of, I, I don't feel like it's a habit yet because, you know, I think it will have to be at least like six months or a year before I kind of really ingrain it into my daily life because I could see myself moving away from it. But I hope that I don't because it's, it is making a big difference and it's not, I love it because it's not fucking religious. It's not fucking adorned in some magic man in the sky. Yeah, it's yeah, about me and my that head. That is a big thing, isn't it? Yeah, that, that is a big thing. It's one of the it's one of the things that sort of pisses me off about because I feel like prayer and sort of you know even maybe Buddhist meditation. It's sort of it's so wrapped up in this idea and all of these religious ideas. And I feel like it's kind of one of the things I was going to mention before is like one of the criticisms of mindfulness and, and, you know, things like John, not particularly John Kabat-Zinn, but there's a kind of Western approach to Buddhist meditation where it's a commercialization of it. It's been nicknamed kind of muck mindfulness because it's that kind of thing of like, oh, we must make an app. We must like, you know, there's this program and you can spend a couple of thousand quid and go on this amazing training course or whatever. But ultimately, even if you've not been on any training course, you can literally sit down and do it right now. Mm. Um, as not this evening, but at some point, you know, we should we should actually do stuff. Yeah, all the information or, is there. You don't, you know, somebody's oh, trying to commercialize it. Yeah, surprise, surprise. But exactly, exactly. Yeah. And it's like you get a fucking book out of the library, and can it's accessible to pretty much anyone. It's just, I think one of the things that pisses me off about religion is that you kind of have those moments but it has to be dressed up into some kind of morality fairy tale of how you should or shouldn't be behaving and you know it's it should be democratized it should be taught in school it should be an inherent part of the curriculum because if you taught mindfulness in primary school you would end up with kids that resolved arguments better you'd get less bullying and you'd get better physical and mental health for the entire class and it's just, it's a fucking no I suppose there's, there's an argument, or am I wrong here, that religion is probably very anti-mindfulness in the way that once you start introducing a deity or whatever, and you, you, you think about concepts like, I don't know, fate, mm. um, or things like that, there is this admission of, uh, you know, just things happening to you and this passiveness of life where... Or it's God's mission, or God God will choose what my destiny is. I, I hear that a lot from Christians. Yeah. Or you know, if God blesses me, you know, yeah. this may happen to me. But so it's all very kind of passive. And if it happens, where mindfulness actually is almost the opposite. That is the way you like literally take ownership of yeah. your own destiny, yeah, 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 yeah. your own thoughts. Definitely. Definitely. So uh, that's quite quite interesting. You know that it's like totally the opposite. It's, it's in many quite ways. it's quite sort of empowering. It's like you know you're not seeing yourself as all-powerful or as like you know the supreme being or whatever you're not kind of pretending you're god but it is very much about acknowledging your own experience as probably ultimately the most important thing mm-hmm. and and that present moment being the most important thing in existence for that moment and 
returning to that living your life mindfully being far more important than anything else. Um, John Kabat-Zinn himself was raised in a Jewish family, um, but like a non-practicing Jewish family. And when asked about kind of whether he sees himself as religious, he says he kind of experiences uh, mindfulness more as a kind of through the scientific way of looking things rather than through a kind of religious way of, of looking at things. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's whatever works for anyone. You know, it's like well, of course, yeah. Judge, if you're but, a Christian and you think things like that, whether you will go to me and you're happy. And let's be yeah. honest, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of them are, and uh, or you know, I suppose most of them are, and they use it as a strength. So there's no yeah. right thing. I think it's just interesting to compare both of them. Definitely, just definitely. They are so so different, but ultimately, yeah. people do either to reach the same goals, don't they? In a way. No, exactly, exactly. Yeah. I think I think a lot of the time, like people are sort of looking for the same sense of peace, and some of them have to involve some kind of sense of higher power or, or God type figure. Yeah. Whereas for me, it's much more just about being okay with just being there yourself. I think one of the re- I'm not saying this necessarily about yourself, but I think one of the reasons why people probably would feel uncomfortable with going there is because you are alone with your own thoughts. And I am possibly part of the reason I delayed it for so long, because I think if you're going through mental torment and you're kind of having a lot of cycle of really negative thoughts, Mm. whether that distraction is alcohol or drugs or just, you know, busy life or whatever else, it's often quite a lot easier to just fixate on that rather than going, I'm just going to sit down or lie down and be with my own thoughts. And Mm. I think that's probably part of the reason why it's not, it's obviously it's very popular, but I think if I asked everyone in my uni class, for example, or or everyone on like all of my Facebook friends, like how many of them actually meditate regularly, it's probably a relatively small number, I'd assume. Yeah. Um, and that's probably part of the reason it's kind of. And like you said, like capitalism is designed to make us go bye bye bye. Life is unsatisfying. You need this new thing. Work harder. Work harder, slave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. As if there's all a crossover with what we covered before, but that that mobile phone thing where you 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 leave it whilst you're having a shit and just yeah, like yeah. experience that weird discomfort that you get. It's just like and don't read the back of a domestos bottle either, and just like <laughs> sit there having a poo. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like you know, I, I'm, I'm, like the the feelings that you get. Obviously, I'm not talking about. <laughs> so, I was going to say in my in my stomach again. No, but just because of that, just yeah. you and the pan and the four walls. Is yeah, it, oh yeah. no! But it's about how you how we react to it. I suppose, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah definitely. I'm, I'm I'm horrifically bad for sort of wanting to distract myself in in those moments. I think there's a lot of t- dead time where you're sort of waiting for something or, you know, and you could be doing something that could be a bit better for yourself, but I'm quite quick to turn to my phone and watch some silly YouTube video or whatever. When Why is that, do you reckon? It's a very simple for, question, but it's hard to answer, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's sort of, I don't know why it is originally. I know why it is now. It's force of habit now and challenging it sort of, you can feel the tension originally i don't know because if you like i remember buying my first smartphone and phones can do a lot more now than they could do back then so it's something that i've developed it's not something i necessarily grew up with it wasn't from an early age 
so I think that it's kind of it's become part of our lives. But I think mindfulness, again, is like a really good way of fighting back against that and not even fighting. It's not a sort of aggressive act. It's more just self-compassion and just accepting, being more accepting of your own existence and not needing to kind of distract yourself and not needing to hair off in all these different directions. You're just there with yourself and that's okay. And the the good thing about it, I think, is that I had this image quite a while ago that you do like these hour long fucking meditation sessions that have to sit in lotus pose and all the rest of it. <laughs> like it's bullshit. I mean obviously, you know, people can do that, but like for for me <laughs> why, why are you getting... <laughs> it's bullshit. <laughs> Talking about like this mindfulness is fucking bullshit. Sorry, it just made me laugh for some reason. There's no reason no, why. It's true, it's I just true, I started true. giggling, sorry. It is bullshit. It's bullshit. But like I mean it's like I think that I'm I don't, for all the extreme views that I have, I don't really like sort of people pushing a particular view of how something has to be. And I find, for example, I find sitting down and meditating quite difficult. So I lie down almost all the time when I do it. And it can literally be three minutes or a minute where you're yeah, like, yeah. just practicing. Like, have you heard of square breathing? No. We're like, in your head, you imagine a square. And you imagine a put, you're focusing on one point of the square and you breathe in to go down one side and then you breathe out next side. Then you breathe in and then breathe out and you go around the square repeatedly okay. and you're just focusing on your breath and that's it. And it's like, it's literally that simple. It's, I, there's very few things that could be simpler and, and that yeah. I think is quite exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's, it's, and that's it, isn't it? It's how simple it actually is. It's actually yeah. just doing like what we're supposed to be doing, really, isn't it? As animals, I suppose. You know, if you look, even if you look out, go fucking nosley safari. You look at the farm animals; they just eat and they just sit there with their own thoughts. And yeah, that's, that's exactly. what animals do, isn't it? They're supposed to have loads of leisure time. Fair enough, we're probably supposed to die about 40 years old from natural causes. <laughs> I suppose healthcare is keeping us on here a bit more. So we're like, yeah, I gotta keep busy, get a lot of time to fill. Yeah. Um, we're all wearing yeah. clothes and the rest of it, but I think I think there's certainly it has it has a sort of harking back to a more traditional way of being as humans as animals rather than what we've kind of contorted ourselves into as modern man. Yeah, um, yeah, and it is that it's trying to take us back, isn't it? Every, yeah. every, most things um, that make us feel better. This could be the final thought then. Um, final thought then <laughs> no yeah most things that probably that people recommend that we do to make ourselves feel better mm. are the things we would do as animals isn't it we'd exercise more we'd have a healthier diet obviously we couldn't eat like frozen pizzas if we were animals <laughs> uh, and, and even that like just being alone with our thoughts and you know socialising more going out and meeting people it's just it's literally the basics yeah, yeah, yeah. everything yeah, yeah, yeah. that we, we we live within is just like incompatible with it. It's ridiculous, really. I think about that. Like, yes, I enjoy my free time in the van or whatever, but I'm not designed to sit in a box. In a yeah, like driving around by myself. You know what I mean? It's just like it's mental when you actually think about it. Like you, that that little standard thing that you sent me the other day. All right, yeah. we're just molecules. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it makes no like, fucking sense. So it's true. Sense yeah, yeah. I think for me, like, that is, you should try it. Tell you what, right, challenge, between now and next, next, yeah, next, what day is it, Monday, next Monday, 
actually, can I? Anyway, between now and our next recording, yeah, try, try a bit of mindfulness. Okay. And just see see how if you I, feel. Well, if I if I if I lie on the floor, square breathing for like five minutes, does that count? Yeah, I mean, I was going to say like you don't have to do it for five minutes. Five minutes probably would be a long quite time, long, isn't it? Yeah, probably yeah. drift off. To when when oh, you okay. actually like sit there doing something for five minutes, it's fuck of a longer than you think it is. Yeah, like I'd I'd say literally just stick a timer on your phone for like thirty seconds or a minute. Don't bother lying down. Just do wherever, like in the van, do it in the van. Yeah, yeah. And then just take a minute and just see how it feels. Okay. So, Homework. Yeah. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Easy, uh, I, I knew you were to school me. <laughs> no, thanks for being up, Dan. I've enjoyed it. Good. Thank you, mate. No worries. Take care. See you next week. Bye.